Welcome to Waypoint. My name is Blair. And we kicked around that song about a month ago and thought it would be a great opening song just because of it's kind of a feel-good kind of idea. I went and got some advice. I put this advice in a song. And, uh, and I got into this series that we're planning, and I realized the advice in this song is the easiest part of the whole process. Go buy some dirt and build a house, easy to do. Make it into a home, that's much harder. That's much more difficult to do. And in fact, if it were easy, we wouldn't be doing this series. But there was, I mean, there were so many feel-good things in it that it sounded like a fairy tale, but all you have to do is just go out and buy some dirt, build a house, and it's all going to work out well. The fact that it isn't that way is why we're going to do this series on parenting. Now, um, I know it's kind of risky every time we do a narrow, narrowly focused kind of series. And I know this because we've done these for years. We used to do these every other year. COVID messed some stuff up. This, we haven't done a parenting series in three years now. Um, but I, would get, I get a lot of feedback uh, from these. And for some people, uh, they look at these kind of series and they just realize that it's just part of being in a bigger community that that's kind of what happens when you come into a service, that it could be a hit or miss for your particular situation in that moment, but it's okay because you're a part of something bigger and you're just going to let it play out because you know that it's beneficial for somebody else. And so there's going to be a bunch of you who just kind of let this play out, even if you're currently not a parent. Um, Some others of you Uh, you're going to be open to the ideas that are shared in here. And what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit's going to take something that we used in this really narrowly focused thing, and and you're going to apply that truth somewhere else. Like it's going to, you're going to apply it to work somewhere or another part of your life or something else that's going on. There won't be a shred of connection at all. Well, like I'll never say anything about the connection to that, But it will be impactful for you, and that's because you're open to God kind of moving it that sort of way, and I know that'll happen happen in these series. But I've also heard from others who've made this kind of conclusion. This is a waste of my time, and I'm not going to come back until this series is over. And if that's you, if that's you and you're getting ready to check out here, I want you to hang in for just a little bit because I think you might be missing something. See, there's a dynamic that goes on in families that actually um, you could help with. This, uh, I think this happens in all families at all different levels. This just happened to me back in August. Tracy went out to California. She signed up for a school, online school out there, but she had to go to an orientation out there. And she's getting a counseling degree, and one of the things that they expected them to do is to get into a little cohort and go through group counseling themselves. If they're going to ask people to be sincere and genuine and, and vulnerable, they have to learn how to do that too and feel what it feels like. So they're in this little group doing this, and a couple days in, I get this call from my wife. And she's really emotional, and she's talking to me about the stuff that's coming out in this group setting. And... And I'm not proud of this, but I, halfway into what she said, I actually said these words. Haven't I been saying the exact same thing for two years, right? Those, those, were, those came out of my mouth, right? And then I realized I might have just made the conversation about me, right? And so I, I kind of backed up. I slowed down. 
And I let her kind of talk some more and get that all out. And then when I hung up, I realized that what was happening with Tracy had happened a whole bunch of times with our kids. Like, we had told our kids some stuff that we thought was really important and valuable. We were holding the line on it. And they thought we were clueless. Didn't know what we were talking about. And then some dude, right? Some single guy, some, uh, a youth pastor, um, a family friend, another parent. It didn't, didn't seem to matter. The one thing that seemed to matter was that they had a genuine concern for our kid. If our, if our kid thought, you genuinely concerned about me, they would hear the same advice from that person and go, that makes a lot of sense. And for a while, that drove us nuts. And then we started to conclude, we didn't really care how the truth landed. We were just grateful that it did. We ought to try to find a way to put them in those kind of situations where people could reinforce that. So if you're thinking about checking out, can I ask you not to because you have a superpower? You are not somebody's parent. That's a superpower. If you genuinely care for somebody and you could come along and reinforce something that somebody's doing or a truth or an idea that's of value, you actually have the ability to help that stick. You could make a difference in somebody's life, in the life of a family. Honestly, you could make a difference in your life too because God's looking for people to be light in the world. And it could be one of the ways he intends to use you to do that. So I hope you'll stay with us because we're going to talk about some difficult stuff over the next four weeks. And the more people who are in the boat, the better. We're calling this series The Challenge of Parenting because from my vantage point, everything about it is challenging. Every last thing. Uh, why is it that you can be the same people, have the same house, feed them the same food, do all the same stuff, but they're so radically different than each other. Like, who, who did that? They have different communication styles, different personalities. They have different passions even. And so you, ha you see the fingerprints of God in this, and you're like, God, is this some evil joke that you've got going on? No. This is part of the challenge of parenting, is God's given them to you for a specific reason, but it's not necessarily because it's easy. On top of that, they go through different life stages. So what you figure out when they're a young kid and it works really well suddenly stops working when they get to age 10. And so you readjust, and you readjust because you're trying to help parent them at a different life stage. And in the middle of doing something different for them, the younger kid looks at you and goes, why are you doing that for them? You should do it for me. This isn't fair. And then you get to live through the you're not fair age, right? Which is really fantastic. Because then you get to look at a four-year-old and go, I'm so glad you figured this out at such a young age. Life is not fair. Now go back to your room, right? It, um, that, that kind of stuff is what goes on. But you have to kind of live with that indictment. This isn't fair. On top of that, th there is no right parenting style. You have a lot of choices to make because you're different too. And it, it just so happens that we live in an age where everybody can comment about what they think you should do or how they should do it. 
And they do. Everybody's opinion just gets blasted. And so you can hear on Facebook all the time, if you really ask for it, how inadequate you're doing in parenting and how awesome others are. And you can compare yourself all day long if you wanted to. But there's parenting style that you'll have to figure out, what am I going to do with that? And then if you want to tack on, if you want to tack on a really big challenge, the culture that we live in does not embrace your values. And it is moving at a pace that we have never seen before in our lives. Information gets disseminated and spread quickly. Trends change. What people think is normal is different. It used to take hundreds of years for this kind of stuff to change, and it's moving rapidly right now. If you, if you had most of your upbringing years before, age of, or before 2007, the world that you're trying to raise your kids in now is different. It's different than what you understand or what you know. And it's about to get worse. I don't know if you guys are paying attention to this or not. Uh, Facebook changed their name this week to Meta. They did that because they're convinced the next stage of the Internet is the Metaverse. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should go and look it up. Because the opportunities for addiction and for all the stuff that is even like worse right now in our culture is going to be amplified by this. And it's coming your way. There's going to be challenges ahead. Now, despite all of these challenges, and I do think they're significant, I, I want to remind you of truth. And then I want to build on that truth as we get into today. But I want, I want to remind you something. You are the parent, not by accident. You are the parent of that kid on purpose. God did not make a mistake. There was no error in the calculation. The, the times where you think, we are so different from each other, why in the world would God match me with this person that I can't understand at all? Not an error. In fact, the, the way God talks about it is he's placed you in a position in that child's life that's important. So it's a role in God's kingdom that's of value. I want you to see the way he talks about this. This, by the way, makes it into the top 10 commandments, where if you, if you would just get these 10, you would be on a path to following God in a real genuine way. And this is what it says in Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, um, I understand that the ancient cultures, almost all of them, and many in the East right now even, are honor cultures, which means the decision that you make about what you're going to do for a living, how you're going to, like, moral choices, all that kind of stuff, are not made through a lens of what do I think is right for me you make it through the lens of how this is going to impact my community, my family, this group that I'm with. And if anything could dishonor them, I wouldn't do it. So it might be a better career choice for you, but if it's going to be dishonoring at all, you stick with the family and you do what's happened there. And so there's just a lot of pressure to conform and to follow these unwritten rules of honor. And I, I don't know that it's a healthy thing, 
But I can tell you this, this is not, this thing that we just saw in the scriptures, is not an attempt to reinforce honor culture. It is, it is, an, it is an identification of a role in God's kingdom that he says has value. You're honored if you're a father. You're honored if you're a mother. And the way God sees it, you've been put in a position of honor. Just so you understand, um, thousands of years later, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul writes this. This is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, spills into 3. Honor your father and mother, which is the first command with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. In both instances, honor your father and mother are tied to God rewarding people who choose to honor that role. Why? Why is this a role of honor? Because you are given an opportunity to influence, to guide, and to shape the life of another person. It's, God looks at this and goes, this is crucial. This is, this is this valued thing that I'm asking you to do. The thing is, I don't hear a lot of parents talking about how honored they feel in the process. I made a list of what I hear more often than not. I hear, I'm tired, right? I'm just tired from the whole experience. And I, I, I mean, is there anything good that's going to come out of this? I'm frustrated. I, I'm saying the same thing over and over and this kid apparently doesn't know how to understand my words. Like they keep doing the opposite of what I've asked them to do. I'm frustrated. Some say I'm tired of being the bad guy. Like that teen just refuses to understand the boundary and they keep fighting against it. And I'm holding the line and it feels like I'm the bad guy in this relationship and I don't care for it. I've heard some parents say I'm I'm hurt. I'm hurt that these kids that I raised, that I love, that I value, that they've kind of walked away from the values that I held out for them to follow. And so my heart aches as a parent. Talk to some who seem to live in the shadow of a past failure, a parenting failure that seems to just haunt them and impacts every decision that they make down the line because they're so afraid to do that again. And nowhere in the midst of this do they feel a sense of honor. But I want you to understand how God sees this. I want to take you to Psalm 127, verse 3. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. A reward. You're like, is it a reward? Getting woke up at 3 a.m., is that a reward? Cleaning puke out of the carpet, is that, is that what we had in mind? Is that, is that the reward we're talking about here? How about when they refuse to listen to me? Is that part of the reward? It, it's a challenge, that's true. But God gave them a gift to you, and he didn't make a mistake. 
And so what he needs from you is to stand up and become the parent that he always knew that you could be. By the way, most of my parenting was made through lots of mistakes and realizing that was wrong, I shouldn't do that again. And God still put me in that place of honor, not because I was going to be perfect, and neither are you. He did it because he had this idea that you were the right person for that job and that kid. You were. You're capable of doing it. And instead of feeling a sense of honor that you've been given this position, some of us either don't identify it that way, some of us go the opposite way. I, I have talked to some parents. There's not very many here at Waypoint that I could say this about. I, I, don't, I didn't even know if any at this point. But I have met parents who feel like having kids is a complete and total burden to their lives. Uh, my son, uh, who has worked for two years for the Indiana Department, like the DCS, um, just gave his two-week notice. He's got one week left. And he is leaving that job with a heart full of bitterness. And we've been talking about what that means and how he's going to find a way to unload all of that. He has been interacting with parents who felt like raising kids has been a burden. And because they feel that way, they treat those kids as garbage. They use them. They abuse them. They control them. They, they'll, do, they'll manipulate for whatever they want. They're kings. And he is, he is angry at parents, angry at the process, and he has questions about why God would let this go on. The thing is, God gave that person a position of honor, and they squandered it, and they will have to answer it for that someday. And the thing is, I, I don't believe that we have people here who intentionally feel that way about their kids, but you can be so overwhelmed in the process. You can be so overwhelmed by the challenges that you face in parenting that you actually could squander some of your opportunities. You don't squander the whole thing, but some of the opportunities that you have being placed in that position of honor could be lost if your eyes are not wide open. So that's what I want to do just a little bit today. I want to remind you, you're in a place of honor. This is a gift from God's hand to you to give you purpose and meaning, to do something of value in his kingdom. He sees it as a place of honor, but he also offers you some tools that he would just expect that we would be using. The scriptures talk about him. One of them is odd. The first one we're going to talk about is a little odd. It's almost like the scriptures assume that everybody gets it because I can't find a single verse, not one, where we're instructed to do what I'm about to tell you. But I'm convinced you should do it. So the first, the first tool that I would offer to you is this. Love your kids. Love your kids. Now, again, I can't, I can't find a verse to point to. I can find all kinds of interconnected stuff. So there'll be a verse that says something like, God loves you like a mother loves a child. And so it, ha it has these, all these implications that these kind of relationships exist. 
and that there's an expectation that you would have a sense of love. There's all kinds of these things too. Back in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, there's this kind of instruction. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Why? Because you're supposed to love them, not supposed to wear them down and wear them out. And so there's all kinds of instructions like that that are tied to this idea that if you're really loving, you would be doing or not doing certain things. Why, why is this hard? Why, if it's assumed, do we even have to talk about it or mention it? Well, it turns out that we have really different views of love. Austin mentioned this two weeks ago in his talk, and he said, hey, I, I love Pete's and I love my wife. If I love those in the same way, that would be really odd. And everybody was like, yeah, that would be very odd. That would be awkward. And yet, we have really different ideas about what relational love is too. Can I, can I put my finger on something I think I'm watching happen in our culture a lot right now? And, and maybe I'm wrong, but you, you can identify it and, and then examine it and see what, see what you think. It appears to me that a lot of people in our culture have decided to define love as helping somebody get what they want. I'm going to help you get what you want no matter what. And so they become the person who clears out the way for everything so that kid can get what they want. And they've lost sight of the fact that sometimes love has to say no. Why? Because love takes a lot of things into account, not simply what somebody wants. We take attitudes into account. We take motives into account. We take consequences down the road into account. I want you to think about what happens if you go down this path. This is where it could lead. And because you're thinking about long-term consequences, you say no, and it's love. Love was the motivation for that. But there are, there are all kinds of situations right now where people are looking around and going, no, 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 I've got to stay on the good side with my kids. I've got to make sure that they're happy and happy as they get what they want. But you're not training them to look down the road. And you're missing out on an opportunity to communicate what real love is. For some of us, our definition of love has been plucked from our culture, has been gotten from our own family or somewhere else, and God wants to redefine what that would look like. If, if you get bored sometime, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's a, it's a chapter about love. And it's written towards the church. It's used about marriages, but if you want to talk about love and you want to think about it in terms of parenting, go read it. Go read what it says. Nowhere in there does it talk about our role in finding a way to help get what they want. It's really about attitudes of how we approach situations and we walk through life with each other. That's the kind of love that God's trying to grow in us. And if you need a redefinition of what love is so that you can step into this position of parent that God gives you, so that you can be the parent he intended, you're going to have to have the right definition of love. So I, again, I don't know what that's going to look like. I think every kid is different. You're different. Your personality is different. 
But I would just caution you that if you've gotten the wrong definition of love and you think you're accomplishing that in the life of your child and it's the wrong definition, there's a chance you're going to do harm. For some people, what that has meant is they are tough as nails all the time on their kids. They never let up. There's, ne there's never any ounce of grace or kindness, and they say that I'm doing this because I love you. And I'm not sure that that's going to lead where you think it's going to lead. It ought, you ought to be something that you re-examine. Do I want to be tough as nails all the time? Does that communicate the kind of love? Would you want God to treat you that way? Just as bad on the other side, there are parents who are just permissive for everything, and it causes just as much damage, just as much damage. You've been placed in a place of honor. God's made you the parent, which means you're going to have to love well and pay attention to how you do that. I want to read the um, second one I want to talk about. It's in Titus chapter 2, verse 7. This is written about young men, but I think it could be for young women. I don't think it honestly matters. It says this in verse 7. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. You are a parent so that you can model, so that you can model stuff to the kids who are in your life. Have you ever, have you ever heard a parent say, do as I say, not as I do? Maybe it came out of your mouth at one point. How well does that work? It does not work very well is what I found. It is not a very good teaching tool and technique. Maybe you've heard this one. More is caught than is taught. More is caught than is taught. In other words, they're paying far more attention to what you do and how you do it. Now, there's all kinds of stats out there about the percentage of caught versus taught. No, I can't find a single source for any of those statistics. So I don't, I don't know what they are. I don't know what's true. I don't know what's not true. Here's what I don't love about this idea of more is caught than is taught. It's almost like we've accepted that there's going to be some incidental bleed over. Like, it's going to happen. They're going to catch some stuff off of us. We know that. But it's incidental to what we're doing. And I, I think what God intended was for you to have an understanding that you would be setting an example on purpose, that it would be not coincidental, but intentional. Like, you would examine your life and say, what exactly do I want my kids to see and hear from me? Like, I don't want to just say this stuff. I want to do this stuff so that they actually see this in my life. Does your devotion to God make it on that list? I want them to see how devoted to God I am. How about the way you solve problems? I want them to see when I run into a difficulty in life, this is how I go about doing that. What about how to have healthy relationships? I want them to see me having healthy relationships in my life. Friendships in my own family. I want them to be able to, to understand what it's going to take 
in order to do that. I want them to understand what it means when you fail to pick yourself up and to go again. I want them to see all of that. And at some point, I don't know when this happened or why this happened, but there is some kind of understanding that you should protect your kids from all of those kind of things in your life. They shouldn't see your failings. They shouldn't see it when it gets hard. And maybe when they're young, that's correct. But as they get older, the more that they can see in you, the better off it is. And the more you can reveal openly and honestly. Why? Because you are modeling stuff for them that they couldn't get any other way. You could tell them till you're blue in the face, they will remember what you did instead. How many of you, how many of you have said, I don't know why, but I'm starting to become like my mom and dad? Yeah, see that awkward hum underneath your breath right there? That's just the way it works. Because they modeled some stuff and you end up catching it. The question I have is have you sat down and intentionally asked yourself, what is it that you want them to see? What is it? Will they see your devotion for God and your use of your time? Will they see a work-life balance that makes sense to them? Will they see something in you that you think, man, they have to get this from me because I know it's so valuable. This is the truth. My kids are old enough for me to be out of the, I'm going to have some like raising conversations, but I'm still modeling right now. I'm still making choices that I believe are important, that they will see in my life. And I have years ahead where I'll continue to be able to do this that I hope will lead to conversations about why I've made the choices that I've made and I'll have more influence, more times to guide, more times to shape. But it's going to be intentional. Have, have you been intentional? Or is it just incidental? God has placed you in a position of honor in his kingdom. He's gifted you with these kids. What can you intentionally do that would model the stuff that God cares about? Number three. Also, this one's difficult. Oh, Hebrews 12, 11, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You are a parent placed in a position of honor by God to figure out the right discipline in that kid's life. You are. That's your role. Unfortunately, on this one, everybody has opinions too about what you should or shouldn't do. I can tell you this. If you want to go and look in the Proverbs, you will find over and over that the idea of discipline is attached to love constantly. If you discipline, you love. If you don't, there is something missing in your heart towards that kid. If you're a student in here, you ought to hear that. When your parents choose to discipline you, it is an example of love and grace in your life. Yeah, it's also painful. It just said that too. 
right? This is painful. This is a difficult process. But I want you to see how God looks at this. This is Proverbs 3.12. But the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. This is what happens when you choose to love somebody, when you decide that you have things that are worth modeling, what that causes you to do is put up boundaries. You place boundaries and then you hold the line because they were important enough for you to put there in the first place. And if they weren't, if you didn't know why you put them there, then reevaluate the boundary. But if you know why, then put the boundary up and have some courage to hold to it. Your kids will respond differently. My wife, when um, she was given boundaries, she said, oh, okay. And she stayed behind the boundary. When my parents gave me boundaries, I would walk up to the boundary and say, are you sure it shouldn't be over there? Shouldn't it 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 be over there? Are you worn out yet? I have time. Should it be over there? Should it be over there? And I would just go. Like, I, I would just press all day long. And um, I would do it sneaky. I would do it in their face. I, I was just pressing them all the time. And they had to hold the line and find a way to discipline me in a way that worked. Why? Because there were consequences. There was a future that they looked down and saw. You know what I'm seeing right now? Because this is painful, because this is hard, it looks like there are a whole group of people who have decided that they're going to let somebody else discipline their kid. I'm going to let a teacher do it. I'm going to let somebody else who has a responsibility for my kid do this. I'm going to let them do whatever they want with me. You find a way to discipline them. The problem is that person's not placed in a position of honor that has to figure out how to do that. They don't have that kind of responsibility. You do. And when you give up your responsibility to set boundaries for your own kids... You're doing them harm and damage for a long time because, listen, this is the way it works, and you know it. There are boundaries everywhere else in life, everywhere. There's boundaries in every job that you take. There's boundaries in every group that you belong to. There's boundaries in anything that you want to do. And if you raise somebody who thinks that the boundaries don't count for them, they will end up wrecking their life. They'll have wrecked relationships. They could end up in jail. Why? Because nobody ever cared enough to set up a boundary that made sense. But your job as parent is to do that. You're honored by God. It's like a position of honor for you to figure this out. And it's tough. I, I have actually met a few parents who found great pleasure in the whole process of discipline. Those were scary people. They're scary. There's nothing about it that's enjoyable. The whole thing was meant to be hard. That's why he used that, that term, man, this is painful in the process, but I see the righteousness and peace that could come from this, so I'm doing it. I'm doing this for long-term benefit, not because it feels good in the moment. So if you feel good about that in the moment, maybe you ought to do a gut check and ask, am I doing this to be sadistic or mean? But just as messed up are the parents who have refused 
to set boundaries in their kids' lives at all because it will bring harm to them. And it is a position that God placed you in knowing that you could do it, knowing that you could figure out what motivates that kid, what boundaries they have to have, what kind of stuff that you need to say no to. That's, it's part of the gift. It's part of the opportunity for you to influence, to guide and shape. And when you give that up, all of that's lost. So I don't know. I don't know if you had, if you had to pick one of these three which one would you say, man, I really need to revisit in my own life? I need to revisit if I have the right definition of love. Because if I'm going about this wrong and I'm being really permissive, maybe God has a different way for me to view this. And I want to get this right. And you're going to have a conversation with God. By the way, I hope you understand, this is not a one-size-fits-all. The concepts are there, but how you go and figure it out that has to be between you and the Holy Spirit. God's going to meet you and walk with you on this kind of stuff. But there is an expectation that you'll love. What will that look like? There's an expectation that you'll create some boundary somewhere. That you'll, you'll do that. You'll say, hey, these are going to be things that I'm going to have to discipline for. And I'm going to have to hold the line on. And I, and I don't know if you've abdicated that discipline or not, or if you even have an idea of what that would be. I wonder if some of you just need to visit the modeling conversation and say, listen, we've, we've been getting this incidentally, but I want to be intentional. Let's make sure these two or three things are something that our kids see on a regular basis so that it's not accidental but it shows up in our lives. And it, I don't know if they'll like glom onto it immediately or if this is the long game that we're playing where over years and years it kind of gets into their hearts and lives and all of a sudden they're becoming like their parents. And you make that choice to model some things that you care about. I don't know what it is, but I, I want you to process over the next week what adjustment could you make and if, and if you're somebody here who's like, okay, Blair, I decided to stay with you. I don't have kids, but I'll stay with you. Is there somebody in your life that you could walk alongside, that you could encourage? Is there a single parent that you could encourage and, and be a voice of feedback for them? Is there a kid that you genuinely care about, that you could reinforce some discipline or something that's going on in their life that the parent's doing? Is there a place that you could get involved it's serious out there right now, the stuff that's going on with students. And this, I think, is the step that God wants us to take. He's given you a position of honor. Will you step up to it and begin using the tools that he's given you to influence, guide, and shape some lives? Can I pray with you? God, I'm grateful 
to understand and know that you feel that same way. You, you say, we're your kids. There's a sense of responsibility that you have towards us, and because of that, sometimes you discipline us, always love us, always setting a model for us. And for whatever reason, God, you looked at some of us and gave us a gift, a child. Maybe they're older now, but, but that gift was not a mistake, and our role in their lives is not a mistake, and as difficult and as challenging as it can be, I ask you to allow us to embrace this position of honor that you've given us, to step up and to be the parents that you intend for us to be, ones who love, ones who model, ones who have the courage to discipline. God, there are so many voices in the marketplace on this, but yours matters. So as we turn our hearts to a God who just fully loves us, may you give us wisdom as to the adjustment we need to make in our life that would honor you. love you. Thank you for loving us and giving us this position of honor. In Jesus' name, amen.